Hello, this is Ed Frawley, and today we're going to talk about the groundwork to becoming a pack leader. I have a saying, and that is, you can feed your dog, you can water your dog, you can love your dog, and he will like you, but he very well may not respect you. There's an old saying I like to tell people, dogs know what you know, and they know what you don't know. This podcast goes into detail on how to get a grip on dominant dogs. It's also the way we raise puppies in our home. Dogs know a leader when he's in the presence of one. They can sense a leader. They don't need massive leash corrections to consider an owner a pack leader. In fact, inappropriate corrections often results in a dog looking at the offender with contempt rather than as a leader. Hundreds of thousands of people go through obedience classes every year. And after these classes are over, a great many of these owners are no more of a pack leader than they were before they started the classes. The reason for this is how they live with their dogs. These people have not learned the groundwork skills that dogs live their lives by. This podcast is going to explain how I show my dog what I know. The information in this article can apply to puppies, to young adults, to rescue dogs that are just brought into a home, or to problem-dominant dogs that have lived in your home for years but now need remedial training to solve their developing behavioral problem. What's in this article will mean more to you once you understand how I look at dog training. I would recommend that you take a minute and listen to the podcast on my philosophy on how a dog should be trained. It's on my website. If you have a dog with a behavioral problem of almost any kind, this article is where to start for ideas on how to fix those problems. I get emails every day from dog owners whose dogs have developed behavioral problems. These people love their dogs. This is evident by the simple fact that they've taken the time to search the internet to look for solutions to their problems. Some of these problems are house training problems. Some of these problems are dominance problems. To a large extent, the solution to all of these problems begins with controlling every aspect of this dog's life. Some of these owners are bewildered by sudden changes in their dog's temperament, in their behavior, while others have watched their dogs develop issues over extended periods of time. Some have raised the dogs from puppies, while others have acquired them from humane societies and breeders and worse pet stores. The vast majority of behavioral problems are caused by mistakes that were made in the basic foundation of how owners set up the initial relationship with their dogs. I call it mistakes in groundwork. Dogs, unlike humans, live in the presence. Human psychologists almost all focus on the past to find answers to their current problems. This is fine for a human, but it's a mistake to think that this is how you're going to fix a problem with your animal. I'm not going to say that modifications don't need to be made for a dog that was truly abused at some point in his life. This may be the case, but most often it's not. What I am saying is, 
You don't change your entire philosophy on how you live with and train your dog just because of bad experiences in the past. Dogs recognize and live by pack drive. Pack behavior is a genetic factor that drives dogs' lives. So, when you do something based on pack instinct and you think you're doing something that seems stupid or cruel or useless or meaningless, I'm here to tell you that it makes total sense to your dog. People who own animals and prefer to treat them like human children rather than a member of a family pack cause their own problems. Some of these people come to their senses when their dogs develop serious behavioral dominance problems. Others simply turn their dog into an animal shelter or worse, have their dogs put to sleep. When I talk about groundwork, I'm not talking about training the dog to come, to heal, to sit. I'm talking about how people live with their dogs, how they interact when they handle their dogs. The solution to almost all behavioral problems lies in changes the owners need to make in the way they live with their dogs. This podcast explains how I handle a new dog when I bring him to my home. It also explains how we raise puppies in our home. It's how we house train our puppies. If you have a problem with your dog, it's never too late to consider making changes. The old adage about not being able to teach an old dog a new trick is just that, bad old information. It's never too late to turn things around. If you have the patience and the confidence in what you're doing, you can fix most problems. Owning a dog is a privilege. Once you've experienced the depth of love or the unconditional devotion and joy that a dog brings to a relationship, you often choose to live the rest of your life with a dog in your home. I made that decision in 1957. Since then, I've owned more dogs than I can remember. I've bred over 340 litters of working bloodline German Shepherds. I was a canine handler for 10 years. I've competed in the sport of Schutzen, in AKC obedience, and I've been producing dog training videos since 1980. I've devoted my life to learning how to live with dogs. This podcast will pass along some of the experiences that I've learned along the way. When you bring a new dog into your home, the decisions you make on how to live with that dog and how to train that dog will have long-term implications on your relationship with that dog. You will quickly learn that everyone you talk to has an opinion on how to raise and how to train your dog. You only need to ask your mailman, your barber, or your relatives. If you go to your local PetSmart warehouse and talk to their trainers or look in the book section, you'll see how conflicting this advice can be. The problem is most people, trainers included, don't have the experience to offer sound advice. And this results in a lot of bad information being passed out along the way. No two dogs are alike. Like humans, every dog has its own individual personality. Dog people, like myself, call a dog's personality its temperament. Because of these different temperaments, no two dogs are trained exactly the same way. With that said, it may be confusing to new dog owners when I say it's my opinion that all dogs need to be introduced into a new home in exactly the same manner. 
There are certain rules of dog handling that new dog owners need to learn and follow. No matter how old your new dog is, no matter what breed your new dog is, no matter how big or small your new dog is, no matter where your dog came from or what its background is, no matter what its current level of training is, or even what its current level of house training is, it needs to be introduced into its new home with the use of a dog crate or a dog kennel. I cannot say this enough. There are no exceptions to this rule. If your goal is to have a house dog, it needs to start its life in your home in a dog crate. In the beginning, these dogs may not like the crate, but they will learn to accept it. I keep a bowl of food treats on top of my crate, dry food treats. Every time I ask my dog to go into the crate, I toss a few treats inside. If the new dog is sharp or shy, it should be hand-fed for a few weeks. If the dog has good nerves, I feel it should be fed in his crate. Some dogs raise holy heck when they're put in the crate for the first time. Give them a cow's knuckle bone or a kong with cream cheese in the middle. This will often stop the crying. Putting a sheet over the crate will always go a long way towards keeping them quiet. Screaming and hitting the dog, beating on the crate, do nothing but increase the dog's stress and confirm to him that being in the crate only brings bad things. So what you do is you give the dog something to do in the crate and then you ignore it. The bottom line is that the more a dog cries, the longer it has to stay in the crate. This article is not about house training. I have written extensively on house training on my website. If you want to learn about that, go to the article I've written on house training. For the first couple of weeks, the only time the dog is out of the crate is when we take it out to go outside. In addition, the instant it comes out of the crate, I hook a leash on the dog, and during the first weeks, I don't ever allow a dog to be off-leash, not even from the door to the crate. By keeping a leash on the dog, I make it crystal clear that I'm in total control. I don't have to give one correction during this period of time, and the dog understands that I'm the person that controls his life. I make a point of being the one who feeds this dog, and I don't allow others to play with it or even pet it. This includes family members. If you want more information on that, go to the article and listen to the podcast I did on Who Pets My Puppies. This may fly in the face of people who want a family dog, but the fact is, it's more important for this dog to recognize me as the pack leader than it is to get praise from other family members. When my rank and pack position have been established, it's a simple matter for me to allow family members to interact with my dog. But I always set it up so that I'm the one that allows the dog to go to the family member, and I can always call the dog back away from the family member. This takes it one step more towards me keeping control. I cannot overemphasize how important it is for everyone in the family to become students of pack drive. I've written about this in many, many places on my website. Our family pet 
is nothing more than a collection of genetic material that's inherited from his parents. Dogs are pack animals. They live their lives by pack rules, and pack rules are black and white. Humans get in trouble with dogs when they forget these very important facts, and they don't play by the rules. In the beginning, almost all of my interaction with a new dog is done outside. Our dogs must earn the right to be out of the crate in the house. I'll go into that process later in this podcast. I never allow young dogs to be unattended or loose in my home until they're three or four years old. This does not mean I don't lock them in the crate for four years. It just means I control young dogs 100% of the time in my home. Either the dog is in the crate or on the leash or after formal training, loose with my eyes on it. This may fly in the face of other advice, but I'll be the first person to say, I told you so, when your dog chews up your favorite couch or pees on your brand new carpet. I will always remember 1972. I had a one-year-old dog that dug her way through the sheetrock next to the door in my apartment when we had only been gone for about 30 minutes. She was working on the outside siding of the apartment when I got home. People who allow dogs out of their crates too soon or people who bring their new dogs into their homes and don't keep their eyes on the new dog are people who send me emails with behavioral problems. The solution to most of these problems is to back up their dog's training and go back to making them live in their dog crates. And when they come out, they're on leash and you never take your eyes off them. By having your dog stay in a crate, you're setting the dog up to observe the family members coming and going. The dog is going to learn something of family lifestyle. It's going to gradually realize that your family is now its family pack. If your new dog is shy, it's not a bad idea to have a bowl of treats, as I said, sitting on the crate. When family members go by, they can offer the puppy or the dog a treat through the grate in the door of the, of the dog crate. They don't get the dog out and play with it, or they don't pet it. The sooner new dog owners learn something about pack drive, the quicker they're going to become an effective dog trainer, and the better they will be at developing a meaningful relationship with the dog. Our goal is to become the dog's pack leader. Many people think they can correct their dog into understanding who their boss is. This is true, but you will never develop a deep bond that way with a dog. How can you? There are better ways to accomplish the same exact thing. The crate is the first way for the dog to see that you control his life. You're the one who takes him outside. He's always on leash. You're the one who takes him for a walk. And you're the one who grooms him, and you're the one who feeds him. This all takes place before you even try formal dog training. When it comes to puppies, puppies sleep 15 to 16 hours in a day. Most, not all, but most, can stay in a crate for 8 hours without a problem after they're 16 weeks old. There's always exceptions to that rule, and I get emails every single day on it. Adult dogs that are well-fed and healthy spend most of their days sleeping. The fact is, 
Crate training satisfies the dog's den instinct. So keeping them in a crate is not cruel and unusual punishment. Cruel and unusual punishment is what happens when a good dog is put to sleep after being given to an animal shelter because the owners don't know how to properly raise and train their dogs. The dog crate is the first step in that process. I label groundwork the subtle things that you do when you handle your dog. Groundwork establishes the relationship or the bond between you and your dog. Owners who ignore groundwork or owners who don't give enough thought about their groundwork are often people who end up with behavioral problems. Groundwork establishes the dog's frame of mind towards his handler before formal training ever begins. Many people think that obedience training only takes place when you put a training collar in a leash on your dog and take it out in the yard and start doing sit, down, stay, come. These people are dead wrong. The foundation of obedience training begins with good handling and good groundwork. Anyone can slap a leash and a prong collar on a dog and force it to obey commands. Once you've had a little training, that's easy. I like to say that it's the old Kohler yank and crank method of training. The fact is, many professional dog trainers use too much force when they take a dog in for obedience training. Professional dog trainers don't have the time to develop a bond with a dog that they train. They only have a dog for a matter of weeks, and it can take months to establish a working bond. So for most trainers, it comes down to making money versus making time. Professional trainers don't have time to do a lot of groundwork. I take my time with my dogs. I have a structured program I take my dogs through, and it always results in a bond with my dog. There's no hurry in dog training. I prefer to show the dog that I'm a good guy, that I'm a fair guy. I prefer to create an atmosphere where the dog enjoys to work with me. This can all be done with proper groundwork training. There will be a time in the training process when we teach the dog that it must follow commands or it gets a correction for not doing what it knows that it should do. But that's down the road a ways. When a dog comes into my home, I begin the groundwork by controlling every aspect of the dog's life. My son recently joined the Army and graduated from basic training in airborne school. During this training, the Army did its form of groundwork on Jeff. They controlled him from the minute he got at Fort Benning, Georgia, until the day he graduated from airborne school 20 weeks later. I do a similar thing with my dogs. I control every aspect of their lives. I like to think that I'm a lot easier on my dogs than the Army was on my son. A new dog should always be on leash. Being on leash shows the dog I have control of him all the time. It's on leash in the house. It's on leash when it's outside. When I open the door to the crate, the leash goes on. When he goes outside, the leash is on. When the dog goes into my fence yard, he's dragging a 20-foot cotton line. When it goes in the field behind my house, it's always on a long line. In other words, my dogs in the beginning are never off leash. 
not for any period of time, and not for months. New trainers who take their dogs off leash are making a big mistake. Not only do they lose control when they take the leash off, they lose mental control of the dog. I don't need to jerk my dog around when he's on leash to show him that I'm controlling him. In fact, I seldom give any corrections at all. Simply restraining him and directing him where he's going is enough. At this point, I'm not training the dog to heal. I'm just controlling his actions. This fact does not fall on deaf ears. Every day when I get a new dog, I make an effort to spend two or three minutes grooming the dog. Pack members groom one another. When I groom my dog, I put my hands on him. I use a soft touch on my hands to show the dog that I like him. I don't jerk him around. I don't push him around. If the dog squirrels around because he doesn't want to stand there, then I firmly control him. If I have to verbally warn him and jerk the lead or grab by the scruff and give him a shake, assuming I'm not working with a handler aggressive dog, I'll do that. But the instant he stops squirreling, I go back to softly talking to him and stroking him. It's critical that there's a clear black and white difference between squirreling and submitting. I always end the session by softly brushing and praising him and then releasing him with an okay, it's all done now. I say okay. So he knows very clearly that the grooming is done. Now the goal of these sessions is really not so much grooming, but rather to establish control by showing him that I will control him, but I'm fair when I do control him. In the first weeks, I pet the new dog, but I don't gush over the dog. And I'm always very careful about when I pet him. The dog must do something I want before I pet him. He must sit. He must wait for me if I ask him to wait. He must wait for me before I go through a door. When he follows in my direction, I'll give him a little pat. What I don't do is pet him when he wants to get petted. If the dog comes to me and tries to push his head in my hand in an effort to get petted, I scold him. I say, no. The dog never decides it's time to get petted. I do. This is a huge pack issue. Alpha members of the pack go to the lower ranking members of the pack to be groomed. It's not vice versa. New owners make a lot of mistakes by allowing others to play with their dogs or pet their dogs too soon after they get them. I know it's hard to tell children they can't have contact with a new dog, but with that said, the dog has to make its bond with you before it makes its bond with the rest of the family. In my basic dog obedience video, I explain the rules on how to introduce dogs to children and how to teach the children to handle the dog once it's trained. I never allow a stranger to touch my dog. Strangers are not part of their family pack. I expect my dog to be aloof to strangers. If the dog is in any way aggressive to strangers, they are immediately corrected with a prong collar. All unwarranted aggression is dealt with with a correction. When I get emails from people 
whose dogs are aggressive towards visitors that come to the door, I tell them the solution is, one, you need a drag leash. Two, you either need a prong collar or a dominant dog collar on your dog. Three, teach the dog to go to his dog crate on command. And four, run your dog through formal obedience training. This dog needs to learn right from wrong, and he needs to learn that you're the one that controls telling him what to do, and if he doesn't do it, he's going to be corrected for not doing it. For those people who have been told not to let strangers and their entire family pet their dog, and they still have problems, well, don't write me, don't email me, don't talk to me about the problems that you create for yourself. There is no such thing as, yeah, but... My situation is a little different. No, that's not how it works. This brings us to the end of part one of my Groundwork program. I broke this program into two different podcasts so that it would be easier to download and a little quicker. The second podcast deals with gates and doors, marker training, being loose in the house, playing with the dog and its toys, exercising the dog and taking it for walks, feeding the dog, and finally, formal obedience training. Thanks for listening, and for more information, don't hesitate to visit my website at learberg.com. <laughs>